Bocher Studios. Anytime, anywhere, smartphone, tune in radio app, we are WRKN. 1061 Nash Icon, Picayune, New Orleans. Good evening, and welcome to All Access on 1061 FM Nash Icon at NashFM1061.com. Presented by CrescentCitySports.com, the best sports site in Louisiana. All Access is also presented by the Allstate Sugar Bowl, representing the best of amateur athletics, and by Francesca by Katie's, serving up St. Louis-style food with a New Orleans flair. All Access is also brought to you by Lamarck Ford and Lamarck Lincoln in Kenner, by Rhino Shield Mid-South, Bergeron Automotive in Metairie, by LifeGate Church in Mandeville in Metairie, by Premier Automotive throughout the New Orleans area, John Curtis Christian School in River Ridge, by Life Resources Ministries with outreaches throughout the New Orleans area, and by the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. It's your chance to talk intelligence sports, all sports, all the time. To join in the conversation, call 504-260-1061. Now here's your host, Cumulus New Orleans Sports Director Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com, the Saints Hall of Fame Museum, the Greater New Orleans Quarterback Club, Life Resources Ministries, and the Kenner Star. And a pleasant good evening and welcome to another edition of All Access. This is the midweek edition here on 106.1 FM Nash Icon. We're on the web at NashFM1061.com. Our tune-in app available anywhere in the world for you to listen in via iHeart at home. Alexa will take care of you. If you can't get radio, just tell her to play WRKN or Nash Icon 106.1 FM. Our podcast following the show available through CrescentCitySports.com. Just click on the menu, click on more, and click on podcast to access it. Of course, you can always email me, Ken, at CrescentCitySports.com or call the show at 504-260-1061. Later on in the show, Jim Eichenhofer, Pelicans.com, will join us to talk about the NBA playoffs. We'll get into college baseball and the transfer portal and much more as we march on throughout the course of the evening we start off by talking about the nfl draft and specifically about louisiana players a bit and we do that by welcoming our good and great friend chrissy freud of many entities including crescentcitysports.com to the show chrissy always a pleasure good evening yeah thank you so much for having me on of course you can read chrissy's latest piece on two-lane prospects from the nfl draft at CrescentCitySports.com, but she's well-versed with SEC and others as well. As far as Tulane is concerned, uh, were you, is it about what you expected for Tajay Spears and for Dorian Williams, or was it maybe higher or lower than you expected them to go? Yeah, I thought that Tajay Spears had shown enough and deserved to be drafted in the second round. I mean, I think this is a guy with first-round potential, honestly, but I think that uh, maybe that's just a little bit biased from being around him. Um, but I, I think that what it came from was kind of some of the concerns surrounding uh, the injury history that he had had and durability and things like that. So I think the Titans got a big steal. I think he reasonably went around where people would expect him to, and I'd say the same thing about Dorian Williams. I think a lot of the projections actually had Dorian Williams a little bit lower. So I would say – um, that maybe these players deserve to go a little bit higher than they did, but they fell around where uh, they were either projected or, like I said, in Williams' case, a, I'd say about two rounds higher than they had kind of uh, had him slated to go. So uh, I was hoping to see Nick Anderson drafted in round six or seven, but I know that he was also a guy that reasonably we knew 
um, could go undrafted or would be one of those kind of fringe guys. Well, when you look at the guys that were not drafted, the Tulane players that obviously now are undrafted free agent signings, uh, you mentioned Dick Anderson. I mean, going down the list of Shea Wyatt, Tyreek James, Larry Brooks, Will Wallace, Lama Young IV, uh, Megan Clark, Deuce Watts. Uh, any one or two of these that you think have the best chance of perhaps sticking? I mean, I think that all of them are underrated. I think this was just a tremendous two-lane team from top to bottom on both sides of the ball in most aspects. And I think you see a lot of, uh, a lot of hidden gems and a lot of hidden talents. So I think uh, Macon Clark is one that I've always stood beside was underrated. I talked to an Eagle scout um, about him during the season, and there were things that they did and didn't like about him, but they were, they were intrigued by him throughout the season and were watching him very closely, as they were with Shea Wyatt um, as well. So I'd say those two... I definitely have some potential. I think that Will Wallace is kind of interesting uh, to watch because, I mean, the traditional tight end role, I don't think that he plays it very well, but I think that he's got a little bit of special teams potential. I think that he's a very good blocker, and based on what I've heard around the NFL, they did really like a lot of things he could do as a blocker. So um, that's that's definitely a 50-50, but I think it's going to be interesting to kind of watch um, how that plays out. But, yeah, I would say Shea Wyatt and uh, Macon Clark are the two that I'm looking at the most. But all, I think all of them will get at least some experiment on special teams, even if it doesn't make it through training camp. All right. So, of course, where the Saints are concerned, they were able to persuade Nick Anderson to come here, even though Seattle made a strong push at getting him. You know, he's, he's smaller in terms of height. You know, he's a bit undersized as a linebacker, but he's, he's a tackler. He can run. He's active. He plays hard. I mean, again – it's probably a bit of a long shot, but the fact of the matter is that he bet on himself and, and he also bet on being able to stay in New Orleans. Yeah, he's absolutely the one that I just forgot to mention. I was looking down at the list of the other guys. I just, I kind of consider Nick Anderson to be a cut above the rest of these UDFA signings out of Tulane by a significant margin. Uh, I think that when you look at Nick Anderson, if he was about two or three inches taller, we'd be talking about him the exact same way we're talking about Dorian Williams. And I think arguably in some games that Nick Anderson was the better linebacker. Um, and it's something that you only know if you cover Tulane on a regular basis. I think that he brings everything you could want to the table except for height, and then there's some concerns about the wingspan. But then we also talk about these things. And did they get in his way whatsoever at Tulane? No, they didn't. I know the NFL is a little bit of a different animal, but this is a player that has consistently defied the odds that I think, as far as team captains go, as far as intangibles go, you could not ask for anything more. And I think that it will be an absolute shame if Nick Anderson does not stick around the NFL. I think he will carve a path out for himself at the next level, regardless of what that looks like, even if it's not playing the full traditional role at uh, just a first on the depth chart. You, of course, study quarterbacks and, and watch quarterback play very carefully. Uh, two SEC guys were very clearly guys that were case studies because many people thought Will Levis would go in the top five, if not top ten, and he lasted till the second round. And then Hendon Hooker, some people had him going late in the first round. He doesn't go until the third round. We know the injury. But still, uh, what about these two uh, how good are they? Were they underrated? Were they underdrafted? Your take on both of those guys. I think Will Levis has decent value, but this is a quarterback with a tremendously low floor but an equally high ceiling. And so you kind of you don't know what you're getting with that. With, with these guys, um, they're wild cards. I mean, you either get one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL or you get somebody that's not even good enough to be a backup, and that's going to remain to be seen with Will Levis. 
But one thing that I think really stood out about Will Levis in this in this draft is that the media narrative, and I watched it develop, because, uh, I mean, I had been looking at Will Levis before anyone else had gotten on this hype train about him, and I didn't understand why, and you just watched it snowball into this ridiculous uh, kind of a fake narrative that Will Levis is one of the best quarterbacks in college football, and that simply was never true. Will Levis himself will even tell you that. We had a conversation ahead of uh, this past season about all the things he was doing just to learn, and he put it in these words, to learn how to be a traditional quarterback because he's not, and he knows he has a lot of room for improvement. So high ceiling, inconsistent lower body mechanics, still has issues turning the ball over, still has issues with accuracy that he's working on. And so this is not a complete quarterback. I think if he becomes a complete quarterback, then yes, this is this becomes something of a steal, uh, if you could put it that way, even though he was still early in the second round. But there is a very real possibility that you end up with a Tommy Stevens, and that's exactly what he came out of, played the line at Penn State and then went over the SEC just like Tommy Stevens did. And so the floor there is Tommy Stevens, which is a a third-string quarterback in the CFL. So um, I think when it comes to him that he went about where he was expected to be because the NFL was on a different page in the media as far as that goes. And then Hendon Hooker, I think, is still tremendously underrated. Um, Played in Josh Heupel's offense, has a lot of air raid elements, a lot of people knocked him because they said that he was only reading half the field, yada, 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 the same air raid stereotype that I have heard that is not true uh, for the past five years that I've studied the air raid. I think uh, Hinton Hooker is a complete quarterback. I think depending on how he comes back from that ACL is going to determine a lot of his long-term future. But even if you want to knock Hinton Hooker for the quote-unquote vanilla Tennessee offense, which, by the way, was one of the best offenses in college football, uh, last year, then have we forgotten? I think everyone's forgotten this. Hendon Hooker came from Virginia, from Virginia Tech. He did not just play one season at Tennessee. He played two, and he also played more at another school before this. So if you're going to knock him for that offense alone, you need to remember that he's done other things as well. Visiting with Chris C. Freud of CrescentCitySports.com. Of course, LSU didn't have a bunch of high draft picks. They had guys picked. Of course, Larry was the first off the board, not like we've seen in recent years with all the enormous number of players that had been drafted over the past three or four years. But, you know, they had guys picked, and, and I guess, you know. Hello. I'm sorry, Chrissy. Let me repeat that. With LSU players, okay. yeah, it's okay. Sorry. With LSU players drafted, not as many as we've seen in recent years, but you know, certainly had some drafted. And BJ Ojolari was the top guy, you know, off the board where LSU was concerned. Uh, those guys. I mean, the big offensive lineman is huge. It's a hit or miss. But you know, anybody stick out in your mind, or does Ojolari have the best chance of the LSU players that were drafted? I would go with that statement. I think that's a true statement. Um, I think there's some players with some intrigue surrounding them, but I think that we have to face the fact that as far as the draft goes, LSU simply was not this year what it has been um, throughout recent years. So I'd say if there's a player that I had to bet on uh, making it the long term at the highest level, that I would definitely uh, go with him. Yeah, I mean, the ones that really stuck out were Ali Gay, who a couple of years ago people thought might be a first or second round pick. and Oh, yeah, I remember that. He just didn't produce. And then, of course... Keishawn Bouti, who was the ultimate, who you know, going into this past season was a number one draft pick. Everybody had him on the board as that, and then he went out and 
and did virtually nothing. And people questioned his attitude and whether he really wanted to play. And then postseason, he had terrible workouts. And of course, the end result was he, he dropped way down the board. So different deal. What's interesting about LSU and Tulane is I think both of those programs really have, I mean, their quarterback situation is as good as you'll find uh, most anywhere. When you look at LSU having Jaden Daniels uh, with a year's experience and playing the way he played last year, and Garrett Nussmeyer, who clearly has NFL arm talent, and then the Tulane, when you've got Michael Pratt, who's playing himself into that kind of position, and you've got Kai Horton, who you wrote about, who's all he did was step in and win a big game on the road at Houston, and you got Justin Ibietta, who was intriguing, and when he has a chance to play, he shows good things, but got to stay healthy. I think both of these schools are in good shape at that position, don't you? Yeah, I think so. I think that there's a conversation going around that LSU has one of the best quarterback rooms in the country, and I definitely put it at top five. Uh, Jaden Daniels made me eat my words last year. I think that he stopped bailing from the pocket too early and developed immensely as a passer and is kind of becoming best of both worlds, true dual threat quarterback who does really well in the clutch. Um, so I'm excited to see. I mean, that's a quarterback that could rise. I mean, he's not in the top 15 of most people's returning starting quarterbacks, including mine for now, but I think that he's, if anyone's going to have a meteoric rise, if we're going to pick three quarterbacks to have a meteoric rise, he's got to be one of the three. And then I, I couldn't like Garrett Nussmeyer, who you mentioned, much more than I do. I've always thought that he's had the highest ceiling in that room ever since he entered it. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does over there. And then when we talk about uh, Michael Pratt and Kai Horton, I know that Willie Fritz has made some comments about Kai Horton kind of having his head in the clouds and kind of having some focus issues, which I think kind of comes with any younger quarterback or younger college student. So I don't think it's really that big of a deal. But just the way he was able to come in against um, a team that was predicted to be the conference champion that was supposed to have a couple first-round picks, I obviously didn't hold that it didn't hold true, but he gave them a run for their money and then pulled it off uh, whenever Tulane needed to. And then Michael Pratt, I think, really brings everything to the table uh, that you could ever want from a quarterback and only continues to progress from a mental and a physical perspective. And I was actually on the phone with uh, somebody from the Las Vegas Raiders the other day, one of their coaches, and what I've, I'm hearing this more and more with people I talk to in the NFL, Michael Pratt is being talked about right now, right behind Caleb Williams and Drake May, which if that holds true, that would make him, if he's directly behind, the number three quarterback in the NFL's mind, which would make him, therefore, a first- or second-round draft pick. So that's just really going to be something to watch. And every coach that I've ever said, hey, look at this guy, hey, look at his tape, um, it's either, oh, yeah, we've been looking at him, or, oh, my God, thank, thank you for showing me this. I don't know how I missed this. And it's always that, how the conversation goes there. He's a little bigger than maybe people think he is. I mean, he's a, oh, yeah. he's a, he's a thick, strong guy. You know, he's not overly tall, but he's tall enough. But he's a thick, strong, big guy, isn't he? Yeah, me and Michael were actually having this conversation the other day. It's funny because um, it, it, we we've sat there and read his online scouting report. There's only like one or two out there uh, together. And um, one of the things that people were saying at a small frame, and he said, I'm six foot three and 225 pounds. What's the, what's the small frame? He said, mm-hmm. do these people even watch football? And I think that's kind of what we think whenever we look at some of the things that are said about Michael Pratt is because I feel like a lot of people are starting uh, to realize what they've been missing as far as the quarterback worth talking about. And so I think we're going to continue to see those things uh, kind of evolve. But, yeah, I would say there are some quarterbacks that just, I mean, as simple as it sounds, on, on video or on tape look smaller than they actually are. Um, and even Anthony Richardson, I knew he, that he wasn't a small quarterback, but, oh, my God, he was absolutely immense at the Manning Passing Academy. So I think there's something to be said about watching these guys in person and closely. 
Yeah, I was going to ask you about Anthony Richardson and then Bryce Young. Yeah, sticking with the SEC. And uh, Richardson is probably the uh, the most polarizing of any because most people that assess him either assess him as being uh, a potential superstar and being a potential bust and not much in between. It could be in between, but uh, again, this is a guy that hadn't played a lot. This is a guy that hasn't had a great completion percentage by any stretch, but the physical ability is scary. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we talk about physical traits, and there's some quarterbacks that have quote-unquote physical traits, but I think anyone that was at the Manning Casting Academy will tell you that they were absolutely blown away, myself included, and I'm not Physical traits are not high on my list of evaluation. Everyone knows that, but I was I was blown away by it, honestly. Um, so I think that if he hits his ceiling, I mean, I don't, I don't, I look at it. I'm like, I don't see how you tackle this guy. It's just truly awe inspiring, really. It is. Um, but I think that whenever we look at Anthony Richardson, it is important to realize that he was at uh, such a disadvantage at Florida in so many ways. When you look at all the wide receiver drops. Is this a quarterback that needs to improve his accuracy? Absolutely. There's a lot of development to be done. He's still very, very raw. But I think that there's more to the story here and that maybe – I think he has a low floor, but it's not maybe quite as just horribly low as we think that it might be. Um, and so I think that – but he's another one, though, just like Will Levis. That's how these quarterbacks go. You either get a quarterback who's going to develop rather quickly – into one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, or you get someone that you don't even want in your practice squad. Um, and so it's just going to be curious to see how that goes. So, yes, he's very much a boom or bust prospect. And then it's kind of in contrast to someone like Bryce Young, who I think um, doesn't have as sky high of a ceiling as Anthony Richardson because he doesn't have those traits. But he's shown what he can do with a shaky Alabama team, which almost sounds like an oxymoron, but is becoming a reality now and then has one of the highest floors you could possibly ask for. So you know at the end of the day that if Bryce Young is the worst version of Bryce Young that he could possibly be, he's still going to be one of the best backups in the NFL. And more than likely, I see him being a successful long-term starter. And I've mentioned this before, but I think within the past decade, one of the most mechanically polished quarterbacks that I've seen at any level of football, which is one of the biggest green lights you can look for. Yeah, just... The intangibles are off the charts, you know, and his accuracy is there, uh, his athleticism, his height is the only issue. Everything else is off the charts, and and obviously, I, I agree with you. Alabama wasn't as good as it's been, and without him, I, I wonder just what they would have been able to do this past season. All right, getting away from the SEC, about three or four minutes left for Chrissy. I know you want to talk about Jake Hayner. Saints just oh, yeah. drafted him. You're going to write about it at CrescentCitySports.com, but People are asking me, what's this guy all about? Of course, I've watched watch him on tape. He's, he's not very big, uh, but he is a guy that makes good reads. He's a guy that's accurate. Uh, he's a positive guy. He's a Fresno State guy. Uh, he and Derek Carr have a good relationship uh, prior to this and already do uh, even more so now. So your take on Jake Hayner and what his abilities are and what his ceiling is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, from a journalistic perspective, I've worked with Jake Hayner for the past two years, and it's just been great watching um, him rise and watching him get attention, which I still don't think he got the amount of attention he deserved. But to watch him steal the show at the Senior Bowl and for everyone to finally see what I've been seeing and what people around Fresno State have been seeing, it's kind of like Tulane in a way. I mean, you get impressed by Tulane whenever you cover Tulane. You wonder why no one's talking about it. It's the same thing with Fresno State and Jake Hayner. I mean, he gets knocked for arm strength, and he gets knocked for frame. 
his frame, I mean, he's not going to be able to run around a lot. Um, I mean, he does a good job of evading pressure and using his legs when he has to. He's just going to have to be careful about it in the NFL. But Drew Brees is not that big, neither is Russell Wilson, and, and never got in their way. And, I mean, if, if you want to talk about arm strength, I've seen Jay Kaner make several pinpoint throws into impossibly tight windows down the sideline at the deepest level of the field several times, and so that's not affecting him either. Uh, so I think when it comes to an accuracy perspective, um, a thinking off-platform perspective, uh, just a lot of different things that, that Jay Kaner can do. And so I think that we get stuck on these days, though this quarterback is too small to run around and he's 25 years old, and in reality that's kind of just a bad and those things don't really matter and they've been defied several times throughout NFL history. So I think that Jay Kaner, one of the biggest steals of, of the draft, probably the highest value pick of the draft, in my opinion, I think that he's going to pan out in one way or another for New Orleans and absolutely has starting potential. And then from the intangibles perspective, it's probably um, one of the most mature quarterbacks I've ever met in my entire life with a tremendous football IQ. So I think big things coming for Jay Kaner. I think he absolutely has an NFL future for the long term. It certainly looks like the right situation, too, with a guy in Derek Carr who's clearly willing and able and, and very motivated to help him and mentor him. And and having a veteran back up in Winston behind him, so there's no pressure there. And, of course, Winston's on a one-year deal, so it looks to me like it's the right situation for him. Yeah, I think so, and I think that he's really, when you look at it, has um, the potential to be starting um, within the next, really even as soon as the next couple years, because, I mean, you have to think about how well is the Derek Carr situation going to work out, how much longer is Derek Carr going to be playing, and then Jameis Winston uh, I've never been high on Jameis Winston. I think that it's uh, kind of the end of the road for him and that it's needed to be for a long time and that when it comes to the long-term outlook for Jameis Winston, this is not someone that you want as your starter year in and year out. And I think that that uh, narrative has been proven now uh, over a long enough time span. Chrissy, tell everybody about how they can follow you. Absolutely. It's Chrissy underscore Freud on Twitter. And then obviously you can find my work at Crescent City Sports, uh, Sports Illustrated, and Saturday Down South. Read it. You'll enjoy it. And always appreciate the time with Chrissy Freud. Chrissy, thank you. Keep up the good work, yeah? Mm -hmm. Thank you, Chrissy Freud. All right, uh, we're just getting rolling here on this Wednesday night. We'll get into some college baseball a little bit later in the show. But when we return in just a moment, we'll turn our attention to the NBA playoffs. The surprises, the expected results, what's going to happen moving forward. Maybe touch on the Pelicans as well. All of that coming up next when we visit with Jim Heikenhofer of Pelicans.com, longtime NBA writer, par excellence. Jim will join us to do just that. We are glad you're with us on this Wednesday night. It's a Wednesday night edition of All Access. I'm Ken Trahan, Rudy Dixon, our producer. And we're back in just a moment here on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and at NashFM1061.com. <laughs> New Orleans, the North Shore, and worldwide at NashFM1061.com. Country for life. 1061 Nash Icon. My friend and I are taking a trip to Mexico this year, but neither of us speak Spanish. So we downloaded Babbel and started learning Spanish fast. Want to start getting conversational in another language in as little as three weeks? Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons were designed by language experts to be the most efficient and effective way to learn a new language. ¿Cómo te llamas? ¿Cómo te llamas? Babbel, language for life. Celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold. 
Now try Babbel for free at Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Finding great people to hire can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Their powerful matching technology delivers so many qualified candidates. It's like finding a needle in a needle stack. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. For less hay and more needles, head to ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. At ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Great, it's yours. See you then. Nathan's Tiki-themed bar is swimming in end-of-year party bookings. Where can I find that many servers? They want headlamps? And I'm going to need to find a band. He needs caterers to navigate the rising tide. No, Mario, not your cousin's cover band. Indeed can help him hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. We instantly connect you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply. Ray Maliazzi here for eBay Motors. Okay, easy now. You're teaching your kid how to parallel park. Ouch! (laughs) Turns out he likes to do it by feel. Don't worry, eBay Motors has bumpers, trunk lids, license plate holders, and headlights. (laughs) They've got lots of headlights. When you need parts, get it right the first time with eBay Guaranteed Fit. When you see the check, you know that part's going to fit. eBay Motors. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When the final horn blows at the Allstate Sugar Bowl, the action is just beginning as another jam-packed year of Sugar Bowl activity lies just ahead. With over 55 annual events, including all Louisiana high school state championships, the Sugar Bowl support of amateur athletics adds up to big fun and big dollars for our economy. From the Crescent City Classic to lacrosse, sailing, basketball, and more, the Sugar Bowl has something for most everyone. For more on the great things the Sugar Bowl is doing, log on to AllstateSugarBowl.org. Sponsored by Allstate, Taco Bell, and Dr. Pepper. Ad paid for by the Sentinel Group. Attention veterans, active duty military, civilians, and contractors. If you were issued earplugs between 1999 and 2015 and were diagnosed with hearing loss or ringing in the ears, you may be entitled to compensation. The manufacturer of these military earplugs recently paid $9.1 million to resolve claims that their earplugs were defective, potentially exposing service members to damaging sound levels that could have resulted in hearing loss or tinnitus. If you or a loved one were issued earplugs and were diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss, don't wait. You fought for this country, and our attorneys want to fight for you. Call 800-789-4407 now for a free legal consultation and to see if you may be eligible to file a claim. Time restrictions may apply, and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. So call 800-789-4407 now. Again, 800-789-4407. That's 800-789-4407. Don't let this happen to your largest investment. Call DA Exterminating now. We're ready and waiting to protect your home from potential disaster called termites. Call DA now or visit us on the web at daexterminating.com. This report is sponsored by Discover. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome at the end of your first year. They automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. The cash back from trips, restaurants, all doubled. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Welcome to your daily sports report presented by CrescentCitySports.com. The New Orleans Saints have signed undrafted free 
Agent Return Specialist Malik Flowers of Montana, where he returned seven kicks for touchdowns. The Kansas City Chiefs declining the fifth-year option on Clyde Edwards and of Catholic and LSU, the former number one pick, has battled injuries. The All-State Sugar Bowl Football Classic will be played on its traditional New Year's Day primetime slot for the next three years and will double as a college football playoff semifinal for the 2023 season. Brian Polian leaving LSU to become the athletic director at his alma mater, John Carroll University. He was special teams coach a year ago. College baseball number one LSU drilled southeast from Louisiana 10-0 in seven innings. Southern Miss doubled up Tulane 10-5. UNO down Jackson State 6-3. And in softball, Xavier splits a doubleheader with Jarvis Christian. NBA playoffs, the Knicks get even with Miami 111-105. The Lakers beat the Warriors 117-112 to take a 1-0 lead. And in college basketball, Art Asher Woods transferring to Tulane from VMI and Jordan Wood of Howard transferring to Tulane as well. For these stories and more, visit CrescentCitySports.com. Have a blessed day and be a good sport. For CrescentCitySports.com, I'm Ken Trahan. Now's the time. What's on your mind? We'd love to get your take by calling Ken Trahan of CrescentCitySports.com and All Access on 1061 Nash Icon and at NashFM1061.com. Call 504-260-1061. NBA playoffs and the conference semifinals now. And, of course, we're getting a little bit of a clearer picture overall as to who might be there standing at the end. Joining us to talk about that at length. Our friend from Pelicans.com, longtime NBA writer and contributor, Jim Eichenhofer. Jim, always a pleasure. Welcome. And listen, so far, I'm looking pretty dumb because I liked Milwaukee. That didn't work out too well. I didn't know Giannis would be so lacking in terms of health, but doesn't matter. And then I also like Phoenix, and that doesn't look too good right now with their depth and with Chris Paul hurt as well. So I guess uh, you need to debunk me and, and put me straight here, right? Yeah, I mean, no, I think it's actually pretty understandable if you made predictions and a lot of them are wrong because it's been very hard to predict who's going to do what this year. I saw people have talked about the, the kind of the statistical fact or note that this is the first time that every seed one through eight has been represented in the conference semifinal. So that's kind of a unique thing. Um, I mean, people talked about how much parity there was in the NBA throughout the season. And um, it's kind of been proven in the playoffs where it's been – hard to know who's going to win series. And this is also, there was another stat that it's been, it's been a long time since in an 82-game season where no one won 60 games, and that was the case this year. So I guess if you add it all up, maybe I guess we shouldn't be that surprised that it's been um, difficult to foresee what was going to happen, and there's been some lower seeds that have made it to the second round of the playoffs already. Oh, it's been really in some cases, surprising, maybe even a little bit shocking. The Milwaukee series certainly was, but yeah. Jimmy, but- Jimmy Butler went nuts and played incredible. Nobody's had a bigger impact on the playoffs, but then he gets banged up. Giannis was hurt. Then you're looking at Joel Embiid being hurt. Now Chris Paul's hurt. I mean, injuries play such a large role in this postseason, don't they? Yeah, and I think if anything, it's part of a broader, larger trend that could contribute to the playoffs in the future continually being difficult to predict because um i mean I, I feel like you know you can't you can't count on the number one seed like the bucks that you mentioned you can't necessarily say they're definitely going to win and you can't what you really can't count on is for a team to definitely be healthy and have all of their main players available we see that across the board with so many different instances i mean the clippers didn't have their two best players available by the end of or the middle of that series in the first round against Phoenix so you're seeing the injuries dictate outcomes a lot and and we know with 
how random sometimes the injuries can be, that makes it even more um, difficult to, to know what's going to happen just because sometimes the team loses. And I think Milwaukee, I don't think you can de- say that they only lost the series against Miami because of Giannis being injured, but I definitely think it was such a huge factor that if they had him available from game one through however many games it went, you know, maybe they would have won that series. But um, you start taking away some of these teams' best players and, and – it makes it a lot easier for the underdog to jump up and, and win a couple games or win a series. Joel Embiid gets the MVP award, and he deserved it. Uh, Nikola Jokic certainly deserved credit as well. He'd gotten it the last two years, but Embiid certainly deserved it, I thought. And then Giannis, obviously, right there. And, and the Embiid situation is interesting because we all know his history and the fact that he was hurt basically the first three years of his career, and now we see where he's at. Does that give hope to fans about Zion Williamson? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one comparison to make. I mean, I, I would love to – I mean, I think everybody that follows the Pelicans would love to see Zion repeat what Embiid has done where, like you said, his first couple of years in the league, first three years in the league, he didn't play a lot of games. But then, I mean, he still isn't at the point, Embiid, where he's playing, you know, 75, 80 games a year, but he's playing plenty enough to win MVP and have the Sixers be one of the best teams in the league and lead them to a position where, you know, they might be able to – go really deep in the playoffs this time for the first time since he's been there. So, I mean, I think it's one comparison to think about for people who, who might say, like, you know, it's hopeless that it's four years into Zion's career and things are never going to get better because you see an example like Embiid where things did get a lot better after his first few years. I mean, another guy, Steph Curry had a bunch of it's – it's definitely not exactly the same thing or as drastic, but Steph Curry had a lot of ankle injuries early in his career that caused him to miss games. And once he resolved that, he's been on the court a ton and led them to a bunch of championships. So, yeah, I think, like I said, I think everybody would be happy to be able to say a few years from now, like that Zion's career followed the same similar path as what Joel Embiid's has. All right. So we're talking with Jim Mike and Harvard about the NBA now addressing those series directly. Embiid did not play in game one and somehow Philadelphia won at Boston. That was a shock to me, that they can go into Boston and win that game, especially in the fashion that they did it. They came from behind uh, to do it, and obviously James Harden picked up the slack and played great, but that was a surprise. Uh, 76ers, should we take them as a serious title contender now? Yeah, I mean, I think with the return of Embiid, I think they definitely have a chance. I still would lean to, I still think that Boston is going to win the series because they're a better team, but Mm -hmm. Um, that was huge for the Sixers to be able to kind of catch the – I thought they kind of caught the Celtics a little bit off guard, but Boston's going into the series thinking, you know, Embiid's out, we're at home, we have home court advantage, we should be able to beat these guys, you know, without too much trouble. But Harden had a flashback game to his Houston era where he was capable of getting 40 points pretty frequently. Um, so, yeah, I think I think the Sixers are dangerous, but um, – I think they need – I mean, if they, if they can beat Boston tonight, I definitely will take them as they're in the driver's seat to win the series. But um, until that point, I'm still just a little skeptical because I feel like based on their recent playoff track record, it's just hard to really trust them. Yeah, Boston just seems to have better overall players, but you got to play and you got to prove it. Then, mm-hmm. of course, you got the Knicks in Miami, and last night was really interesting because the Heat – without Jimmy Butler, carried the lead until the last four or five minutes of the game. 
before it got away. There was one call that went against him, but the Knicks went on a run to close the game. And New York had to have that game because, to me, New York was the, the dark horse team in the East going into the playoffs, I felt, if they were healthy enough. And that's all about Randall, the way Brunson's played. Obviously, you know, the contributions they're getting from Josh Hart, Mitch Robinson. I could go over them all, you know, and obviously the young player from Duke who's really materialized is a good player, and they play defense. But Miami, on the other hand, shocked Milwaukee, and they they almost went up 2-0 on the road in that series. Yeah, and it's funny, you know, we're talking about surprises. I thought Cleveland was going to beat New York in the first round, and not only did the Knicks win that series, but they took care of it in five. So that was a surprise. And then last night, like you said, I w- that was a surprise because you think Jimmy Butler's out, the Knicks definitely have to get this win. And they got it, but the way that they got it was way more difficult, I think, than a lot of Knicks fans probably envisioned that game to go or wanted it to go. I, I would say they, they were, I mean, if you were, you're a Knicks fan, you had to be very nervous when the Heat were still only down a possession in the last, you know, three to five minutes of that game. So um, I'll be really interested to see what happens when they go to Miami to see it sounds like Butler will come back when they have so many extra days to, before they start the series back up again. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been impressed with the Knicks though, that they have that just that they beat the Cavs and <clears throat> you would think that they would have been maybe the favorites in the series, but um, I, I'm at the point where I don't doubt the heat at all because I'm that they're as impressed as I was that the Knicks were able to beat the Cavs in five games. I'm even more impressed with what Miami's done so far in the playoffs, just overall. Yeah, big fan of their coach, and of course they're doing it without Tyler Hero, who broke his hand, which is even more remarkable that they lost a primary contributor, and he was a primary contributor, one of their top three scorers and players that they had, so very impressive that they've been able to do this. Yeah, it is. I mean, the fact that they're able to develop some guys that are undrafted and put them in such big roles and then also have them do it in the playoffs that's one of the things that is the most impressive to me. Um, you know, think like Gabe Vincent is their their point guard right now. He was undrafted. They have Max Struess, who was undrafted, playing a ton of minutes. They have a couple other guys that are undrafted that are in their rotation. So, I mean, the Pelicans have been able to do that a little bit to some extent with Jose Alvarado and Najee Marshall to take guys that weren't even picked during the draft and put them in in your rotation and have them contribute. But to do it in the Eastern Conference Finals the way that the Heat are doing right now, that's just really impressive. And like you said, um, there's no doubt that Eric Spolster is one of the best coaches in the league. And it's it's just not normal that you can kind of just cobble together a rotation and have to constantly put guys in different roles because of injuries and have them perform the, the way that they are where they were this close to being up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Semifinals and having a chance to get to the East. East Finals again this year after they were there last year. Turning our attention to the West, Denver, of course, is taking care of business at home against Phoenix. Uh, it's interesting because the Nuggets you know, did not finish the season playing all that well, but it just goes to show you that you know, when the postseason begins, you, they were just trying to get themselves set up physically uh, mm-hmm. and uh, rotation-wise for the playoffs. I think that's obvious. They're playing really well now. And then, of course, Phoenix, who I thought had a great chance, maybe I put too much stock in Durant. He's still real good, but he hasn't been elite. Booker's been elite. And then Paul's hurt, and Aiton's pretty good, but they just don't have much beyond that. There's, you know, To get Durant, they gave up a lot, and it looks to me like their depth is a real issue at this point. 
Yeah, it's funny because, I mean, I think everyone recognizes that Durant is one of the best players in the league, and when he's at his best, sometimes he, is, he might be the best player. But what, what the Suns have looked like in these first two games against Denver, and I'm sure Suns fans would not like to hear me say this, but it kind of reminds me of the way Brooklyn looked in the playoffs last year with Durant and Kyrie, where they were relying so much on their top two guys that, um, A, they have to play so well to give you, you, your team a chance to win, and B, at a certain point when you're relying on the same couple guys to do everything, they start to break down or wear down a little bit. And Durant struggled a ton in Game 2. It makes me wonder a little bit if he missed so much of the second half of the season because he was injured you know, after they traded for him. And even before that, he was out when he was with Brooklyn. That You watch him and you wonder, like, you know, is he going to start kind of Scaling off a little bit just because he hasn't been on the court, and I would think his conditioning isn't great just because he's he's barely played over the last few months of the season, and now he's in the playoffs, and the opposing team is putting all of their focus on him, and he needs to, you know, get thirty points a game and do it in an efficient fashion. It just seems like it's a lot to ask of a guy, and like you said, their depth is just not bailing them out. They're playing against a team that has a really good, you know, eight or nine man rotation, and the Suns are. It seems like from game to game, they're kind of just trying to guess. Okay, who who, are, who can we rely on the bench? And they're just mm-hmm. kind of throwing stuff at the at a dartboard and hoping that things work out. Um, they also have a massive chemistry disadvantage to me against Denver because the Nuggets have been together. Their main guys have been together for several years. I think that's showing up a lot in these first two games. Very much so. I mean, you got six guys in a postseason averaging double figures for Denver and. Jokic doesn't have to score to be great, but he does score, and he does it all. And Jamal Murray's emerged as a real star and played very well. Aaron Gordon's been good all year long. Michael Porter uh, certainly has been good uh, as well. So uh, Denver's a good-looking team. The other series might be the most intriguing of all. You know, the Lakers go into San Francisco, and they win last night. And the Warriors don't seem to have a, a viable matchup for Anthony Davis. And I know... Fans here don't like Anthony Davis, and there's a good reason for that. And I'm not a fan on a personal level either. On a professional level, when he's healthy, he's still elite. He's that guy. Uh, And the Warriors don't seem to have anybody can match up with him watching that game last night. And and looking at what the Lakers did and looking at what Darvin Ham's done and the way they retooled their roster completely and made that thing work and put it together quickly, and the way these guys are playing, Hachimura and Russell and such, I'm at the point where I'm, I'm starting to think the Lakers have a chance to win the West. Am I too far off there? I mean, I hope you're wrong, to be, to be honest Me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, I don't, think it's, I don't think it's totally unreasonable for them to say that after they come out and win game one at Golden State like, like they did. And, I mean, they had some stretches in the second half where they looked really good. They were able to take a 14-point lead before Golden State went on a 14-0 run to tie it up. Um, but, no, I think there's no doubt that what they did at the trade deadline helped them a ton. I, I kept saying after that trade that I was waiting for the rest of the trade to be announced because I couldn't believe that they were able to add the players they did without giving up hardly anything for it. I mean, they gave yeah. up a first-round pick four years from now. But I don't, I don't think that's really necessarily that much of an asset. to Because who knows? I mean, they could be one of the best teams. It's impossible to know four years from now what they're going to be. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... They, they're kind of like um, Philly to me in that they need – I think they need to win another game or two before I totally buy in that they're going mm-hmm. to beat Golden State. But that was a really impressive start to a series for sure. 
And in terms of Anthony Davis, I mean, I think to me that the, the issue, everyone knows how talented the guy is. He's one of the most talented players in the league. And, um, but it's just a combination of, you know, we all, we all know how much, how injured he's been, how his lack of durability, but also just, he's, he's also been kind of every other game guy in the playoffs. So it's really a matter of if he could put it together every single game and he can stay on the court, it's a, it's a totally different conversation with him. But the problem the last couple of years has just been the combination of those two things that he misses so many games. And even when he plays, you don't know necessarily if you're going to get the, the top-notch effort the way he did in game one. I mean, in the Memphis series, he had multiple games where he was the best player on the floor, an elite player offensively and defensively, but then in the games in between, he really struggled. So it's just kind of confusing, but it's just kind of done the way it is with him. Yeah, and then, of course, with the Warriors, it's such an interesting dynamic because we know what Curry is. You know, Clay Thompson's been good, close to the old Clay Thompson in the playoffs so far, but not there. Andrew Wiggins has scored. You know, uh, Jordan Poole, all right, but they don't have a bunch of scoring behind that. Looney's a good inside presence. You know, mm-hmm. we all know what we all know what Draymond Green is. To me, with Golden State, it's all about Clay Thompson. If Clay Thompson can score at that twenty-three to twenty-five point threshold, they have a chance to win it all. If he can't do that, I don't think they can, and I'm not sure they beat the Lakers. Yeah, and and you know, like you said, I think the matchup for that for Golden State inside against Davis is really poor. So they're going to have to shoot threes well. And we saw already in game one that Golden State had a big advantage at the three-point line in terms of makes and how many points they got from that. But the Lakers had such a huge advantage in the paint. So to your point, I mean, if Klay Thompson, I feel like we it's almost a given that we know what Steph Curry is going to do. But if Klay Thompson has a, a really good series and shoots threes at a high percentage, you would think that they'll still be able to win the series or they'll have a really good chance to win it. But if he struggles and the team, you know, some of the guys that you mentioned, like Poole and Wiggins, don't have good series, it's going to be asking a lot for, you know, just Steph and Clay at whatever rate Clay plays for just those two guys to win the series because it does seem like it's not a great matchup for the Warriors overall. And they went they went one and three against the Lakers during the regular season too, so it's not just the playoffs. It's also going back to the to the regular season, it just seems like this is not an ideal matchup for Golden State in a few different ways. No, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's a troublesome matchup for them and they've got to win game two. I mean they have to. You know, mm-hmm. They want to win this series. Yeah. All right, so I, I couldn't let you get away in the next two minutes or so without commenting on the Pelicans and where they might go from here, what they might address, at least uh, approaching the offseason right now. What do you think they will address most immediately with regard to their offseason strategy? Yeah, I, I don't know if I can sit here and say for sure definitively what they're going to do in terms of moves. I feel like one of the things that has got to be an emphasis again is how do you put yourself in position going into next season? I, I feel like every team in the league is kind of facing this how do you put yourself in position if you're not 100% healthy, if you have guys that are out? And I feel like one of the ways to do that is to conti- for the Pelicans specifically is to continue to, developing, to develop some of the younger guys. We saw Trey Murphy make a huge step this year. There's various other players that I think have a chance to make a big jump in their second or third year, with the third-year guys being Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado, um, second-year guy being Dyson Daniels. So, I mean, I think that's going to be a big part of this offseason is a lot of those guys just continuing to work on their game and improving. Um, 
as people know, I mean, the Pelicans had a stretch last season where it looked like even when guys were out, they still were fine, but then that went away in January to a large extent when they lost 10 games in a row. So um, I don't know what major moves they are going to make or can make, but I feel like one good thing about the way the roster is comprised right now compared to what it was in the previous decade was is that there's just there's younger guys that can get better. There's it's the ceiling in terms of improvement internally. I think is is pretty high. It, it was kind of limited in the previous kind of iteration of the team, where they were relying on veteran guys mostly that were at least five six years into their career. So, mm-hmm. I think that'll be a big focus of the off season and something that we'll probably be looking at and talking a, a lot about when we get to the draft in summer league. Yeah, they. Don't don't really seem to trust Hernan Gomez or Hayes as a backup post, and Nance is too small. Uh, I think we saw that down the stretch this year, at least as a backup post player. So I think that's one point guard. If they don't trust Kyra Lewis to maybe emerge uh, or Daniels for that matter, might be addressed. And then of course you can never have enough shooters, and so maybe another one there somewhere too. But certainly improvement. Uh, I can't hear you. We're saying we just wait to see what's going to happen with Zion. Everything revolves around that. Yeah, I'm sorry you cut out for a second yeah. there. Um, but but yeah, no, I, I I think so. I mean, that's that's obviously the biggest one of the biggest issues is you know Zion needs to be 100. percent And another thing too, I'm curious to see what the Pelicans do with it. Most likely, they're going to end up with a 14th pick in the draft. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what they do with that whether it's add another younger young player or use it in some other way as an asset with all of the other draft picks and future picks that they have jim eichenhofer always a pleasure thank you for the visit thanks ken always good to be with you all right we'll take a brief time out back with more of all access in just a moment here on nash icon 1061 fm and at nash fm 1061.com the irs is the most powerful collection agency on earth and if you owe back taxes the news isn't good the irs is raising the interest rate it charges on unpaid taxes and further rate hikes are expected most people don't know it but the irs adds interest charges to your tax debts daily so if you owe the irs today you'll owe even more tomorrow and it doesn't stop until you get right with the irs the good news is getting right can start with one phone call to optima tax relief america number one tax relief firm. Optima's tax professionals specialize in the Fresh Start Initiative, a powerful IRS program that can save you thousands if you qualify. In fact, the experts at Optima have resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. Call now for a free consultation. Call 800-704-9936. 800-704-9936. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Don't let this happen to your largest investment. Call DA Exterminating now. We're ready and waiting to protect your home from potential disaster called termites. Call DA now or visit us on the web at DAExterminating.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. 
Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1 800 929 2121. That's 1 800 929 2121. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1 800 929 2121. That's 1 800 929 2121. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. This report is sponsored by Discover. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome at the end of your first year. They automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you've earned doubled. The cash back from trips, restaurants, all doubled. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. This is Josh Danzig with Where You At Magazine for 1061 Nash Icon. Celebrate Cinco de Mayo this Friday at Area Felipe's Taquerias with all restaurants open at 11 a.m. with plenty of fun swag for guests. Also, live music with La Tranque Band in Mid-City, Vivaz in Uptown, and a block party on Bienville in the French Quarter. Heading to Jazz Fest? Then pick up the new Jazz Fest issue of Where You At Magazine, complete with schedules, maps, and more at bars, coffee shops, and retail outlets all over town. Or visit whereyat.com and read the new issue online. Cumulus New Orleans. Incredible service and excellent results. New Orleans is always number one with Cumulus Radio and Digital. This is where you get all access, not just the focus on one or two topics. All sports topics are on the table with your calls at all times. Join us now by calling 260-1061. Now back to Ken Trahan on 1061 Nash Icon through CrescentCitySports.com and at NashFM1061.com. Of course, the biggest race in horse racing this Saturday, the Kentucky Derby. We'll have coverage of it Saturday on the Three Tailgaters Show. But uh, that, of course, coming. We'll tell you about the odds in a moment. But the backdrop there is that four horses have died at Churchill Downs in recent times. So there's a real concern there about track conditions and they're they're being investigated very closely to make sure that they make this a lot safer because that is obviously a very serious issue and concern but right now when you look at the Kentucky Derby Saturday you know Forte is the favorite at three to one uh, Tepid Trice is at five to one Angel of the Empire eight to one Derma Sodagake practical move at ten to one and then, of course, the fairgrounds are Kings Barnes at 12 to 1, so it's two fills. Uh, Maje verifying also at 15 to 1 uh, for this particular field. Uh, the long shot is reincarnate, along with Sun Thunder and Ray's Kane and Jason's Road. Continue our, all of those five horses at 50 to 1. Of course, as mentioned, we'll have full coverage on the Three Tailgater Show this coming Saturday morning with Ed Daniels and I of the Run for the Roses. We owe you one more time out. We'll take that right here. We'll be back to close it out with a final word in just a moment as we continue with this Wednesday night edition of All Access. Ken Trahan with you on Nash Icon 106.1 FM and on the web. We're at NashFM1061.com. Ad paid for by the Sentinel Group. Attention veterans, active duty military, civilians, and contractors. If you were issued earplugs between 1999 and 2015 and were diagnosed with hearing loss or ringing in the ears, you may be entitled to compensation. The manufacturer of these military earplugs recently paid $9.1 million to resolve claims that their earplugs were defective. 
potentially exposing service members to damaging sound levels that could have resulted in hearing loss or tinnitus. If you or a loved one were issued earplugs and were diagnosed with tinnitus or hearing loss, don't wait. You fought for this country, and our attorneys want to fight for you. Call 800-789-4407 now for a free legal consultation and to see if you may be eligible to file a claim. Time restrictions may apply, and you pay nothing unless there's a recovery in your favor. So call 800-789-4407 now. Again, 800-789-4407. That's 800-789-4407. As a roofer, I don't have time to fail. Homeowners rely on me, so I rely on Beacon. Beacon's unique network of branches work together to get me what I need when I need it. Every branch working together. And with the new Beacon Pro Plus app, I've got the brands I depend on, like GAF, right at my fingertips. Now through June, purchase online with Beacon Pro Plus, web or app, and earn up to $1,500. Beacon, always building. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-929-2121. That's 1-800-929-2121. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1-800-929-2121. That's 1-800-929-2121. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. When you've been injured in a crash, you've been through a lot. Demand different. Demand Dudley DeBosier. Demand the team who handles the heavy lifting. Demand the team who treats you like you're part of the team. Demand the team who never stops fighting. Demand that your team is Dudley DeBosier. Call us today. The call is free. That's the Dudley DeBosier difference. Call 504-444-4444. That's 504 504- Four 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 four. Chad Dudley, New Orleans, LA two three one four eight three nine. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a ten-year, five hundred thousand dollar policy for nearly fifty dollars a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only nineteen dollars a month. A savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call Select Quote at 1 800 929 2121. That's 1 800 929 2121. Or go to SelectQuote.com. 1 800 929 2121. That's 1 800 929 2121. Select Quote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Always welcoming intelligent points of view, whether we agree or disagree. Let's have meaningful, constructive dialogue on All Access with Ken Trahan on 106.1 FM, Nash Icon, at nashfm1061.com, and through crescentcitysports.com. Give us a call. 
504-260-1061. As we close it out tonight, 17th ranked Loyola in the NAIA Baseballs in the Southern States Athletic Conference Tournament defeated Middle Georgia State 4-0 in Hattiesburg. Stephen Still becomes the all-time strikeout leader in Loyola history. They play the winner's bracket tomorrow. Of course, LSU a winner last night. Run ruled Southeastern Louisiana 10-0. They play at Auburn this weekend in SEC play. UNO, a winner over Jackson State last night. Tulane lost to Southern Miss. Delgado Region 23 tournament with Nunez and Baton Rouge at Southeastern Louisiana this weekend, Friday and Saturday. That'll do it for us. want to thank Jim Eichenhofer. want to thank Chrissy Ford as always. And tomorrow night, Michael Green joins me for the Life Resources Bottom Line Sports Hour at 6. Until then.